Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire. And I'm Robert Bucciolato. Robert, 1968 Florida Teachers Strike was the first major statewide teachers strike in the nation. We don't often think of Florida as necessarily the most labor-friendly state, but we did have a guy that that, that I knew um, uh, when I was young, and, 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 and maybe uh, you knew him through your grandfather, Pat Ternillo, who was a teacher yeah. in, the, in the Dade County school system who really was the stimulus on all of this. Well, you know, I actually, I did meet him when I was about five or six years old. Um, he asked me, what what did I do for a living? As a joke, it was in the it was in the the main ha- the main room of uh, my granddad's house. They were having a party, and uh, it was him and Buddy McKay. Uh, they were right next to each other, and um, I told him that I was uh, I was a first grader, and he said, "Do you like school?" And I said, "No," and he said, "Yeah, I'm a teacher. I don't like it either." <laughs> and that's that's the that's the that is my relationship with that man was was that uh, <laughs> that four or five second interaction, but um, no, this was uh, this was a real turning point in the teaching profession. I don't think uh, the profession and by extension the union has ever recovered from this incident. Uh, Florida is a right to work state. Uh, we are we are not very pro union. Um, most of the region is not very pro union, and I think uh, this was probably a catalyst towards that. I think it introduced uh, a generation, aka the baby boomers, to this concept that union uh, leaders are not. Uh, they're not interested in compromise. They're not interested in solutions. Going into this, uh, you had a situation where um, Jimmy Hoffa was probably one of the most well-known, well-regarded members of American society. The unions were very powerful. They had been very, very powerful labor unions, professional unions for the past few decades. And whether they planned it or not, uh, the teachers and Claude Kirk um, really I, I don't. I don't think they ever came up with an, an effective compromise moving forward. Funding has always been a problem with education in this state, um, and in the process, uh, they really alienated workers from their unions moving forward. Um, just as a side note, uh, a lot of political figures got their start. During this strike, my grandfather, uh, Bob Martinez, both of them walked the streets for the unions. Both of them picketed for the unions. Uh, This was when Claude Kirk was uh, dubbed Kirk the Jerk because of the teacher strike. Um, There were talk about him, you know, sending in the, you know, the state militia, you know, to, to sort of break up the pickets. Uh, of course, while all of this was going on, my, my mother and her siblings loved Claude Kirk because they didn't have school for almost a week. <laughs> so uh, um, a little bit of union history here. The FEA, which was the statewide uh, teachers, it wasn't a teacher's union, really. It was uh, an association, right? I, I guess that would be yeah. the way you would call it. The NEA... Yeah. 
it was an affiliate of the NEA, which was also not a union, which was actually just an association. Now, there was AFT. I think a lot of people who are listening to the show and are of my generation know about the AFT-NEA split and how when the teachers' union in this state merged in the late 90s, Tornillo's union with the NEA-affiliated union, that had to be worked out. Uh, but AFT had represented the teachers in New York City and had won collective bargaining rights and had signed a CBA, a collective bargaining agreement with uh, the New York City uh, school district. So a lot of NEA members around the country began agitating and saying, hey, we need to behave more like a union. Look at what AFT has accomplished in New York City. Pat Tornillo won uh, the presidency of the Miami-Dade or, or Dade County at the time, Dade County uh, Classroom Teachers Association by being militant, really saying we need to be more aggressive and we need to act like a union and then also calling um, for the desegregation. Remember, this is right during the civil rights movement. Um, like many people connected to the union movement around the country, Tornillo was into civil rights and desegregation. That also helped him. So you've got this very militant teachers union head and, and he's, a, he's a union guy in the county that at the time had about a third of the population or about 30 percent of the population of the state. It's not quite like it is now where you have different urban centers around the state. In um, the 19, in, in 1960, you had Southeast Florida, which was massive. And then you had two smaller metropolitan areas in Tampa and Jacksonville. And that was it. Um, and as we've talked about on previous shows, Robert, Miami was very much like a northern city by this time. It had become very liberal. It was supporting national Democrats, the Hubert Humphreys of the world. Uh, it was supporting when the rest of the state were supporting George Wallace, right? It was very different than the rest of the state. So it's a logical place for militant union activity to to, to spring up under Tornillo and to, quite frankly, uh, 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 show people in the rest of the state what they could accomplish. So Claude Kirk's the governor. You mentioned that. Kirk makes a promise in his, among his many colorful promises in 66 <laughs> to fund education at a much higher level. But I'm not going to raise taxes. Well, guess what? Those two things are irreconcilable. Florida's growing rapidly in the 1960s, just like it continues to today. Uh, and uh, you had a couple of... Um, you know, one in two day strikes, right? Um, yeah, a, a few districts lasted in for like a, a few months, but for the most part, uh, yeah, it was it was only about a week for for a good majority. Yeah, of I think it was Pinellas and Broward that were able to to, to sustain it longer, and those were two counties that had uh, were more northern counties again. People were yeah. people were from the north, right? More history of, of union activity. Uh, there had been a. Uh, uh, a rally among teachers at, at the Citrus Bowl in, in Orlando, uh, or whatever the stadium was called at the time. I think it was called the Tangerine Bowl, actually, uh, which had gotten like 25,000 people and, and really kind of set off the 67, 68 school year as, going, as it was going to be the showdown year of militancy. Um, but Kirk doesn't, um, uh, doesn't do anything. Public employee strikes, of course, are illegal in Florida. Uh, and uh, by the time... We got to the new year, to 1968. The teachers were ready to walk out, and and it was really just a a, a giant perfect storm because South Florida was just outstripping in population all of the expectations that the state kept setting. Um, 
my granddad, he went from being a teacher to a principal and then a superintendent in a matter of a decade. I mean, that is nowadays that is unheard of. And it was basically due to the size and population. It was just it was growing at such a insane rate. And then you add into the fact that the legislature was was changing. The districts were changing. There was more of a hunger to be an activist branch. And then uh, in during the special session of 1968, these uh, younger, more um, activist legislatures, they passed a modest uh, pay raise. And it was, you know, in hindsight, it was really a, a token pay raise, but it was their effort to give an olive branch to the the teacher associations and to the educators, and it totally backfired. I mean, they took it as an absolute insult. And so you you basically had this 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 um, showcase of a government trying to help. You have this executive uh, official, the, the governor, who had not a not a moment of political training when he stepped into the governorship, but was very known for you know having a cavalier issue about a lot of things. Which, by the way, um, his plan to not raise taxes but to come up with new funding was to uh, have a, a huge increase in the price of alcohol and tobacco, which made him, again, made him very unpopular. But you had this man who was um, really underestimating the anger that the teachers had. You had a legislature that was trying to be their advocates that was basically having frosty relationships with them. And then you had this new militant figure coupled with the fact that you had all of these transplants that came from states that were better funded. You had all of these students that needed an education. So you had a legitimate reason for asking them. But yet you also had the government that tried to help them. So both sides could have a talking point. The people that were anti-union could say, well, we we funded them. I don't know why they're complaining. You can't reason with these people. And the people in the unions can say, look at how little they gave us in a funding hike. They don't understand what we're dealing with. And so it was from the beginning, it was not a way to to come up with a compromise. No, it wasn't. And... The impact of this strike wasn't just that that Kirk uh, went ahead and uh, raised taxes, sin taxes, if you will, and uh, uh, increased education funding, but really changed the NEA on a national level. It became a more militant organization. It became an organization that saw uh, its its members around the country saw the success, if you would call it that. Now um, there was a, there was some failure in there too, but the success or the effectiveness of, of the the strike option and the effectiveness of the uh, the ability to collectively bargain, as you had seen in New York City, and saw what Pat Tornillo had done in Miami, and really changed the NEA going forward uh, uh, to to this day, and it became a much more 
organized, uh, unionized organization, an organization that pushed for collective bargaining agreements, or a organization that activated the strike option when needed, and an organization that then became a very forceful ad- advocate, I think, for education funding, teacher pay, and the public school system. And that all came out of the 68 strike here in Florida. I think it had a tremendous national impact. Now, um, because it's partly about Claude Kirk, there's always going to be a humorous footnote to any Claude Kirk story. And that is that in 1990, he switched party affiliation to become a Republican again. And he was going to challenge Bob Martinez. And the party told him that they wouldn't support him. But if he ran for something else, they would support him. And after a lot of thinking and a lot of deciding uh, with his family and his friends, he decided he was going to run for uh, the um, education commissioner. And his big platform was that he should be elected because you saw what I did when I was governor. This will be a piece of cake. <laughs> and needless to say, he didn't win. But uh, that was that was his last race was as commissioner of education. Yes, and, and uh, he remained a Republican, I believe, until he passed away in 2011, but then started endorsing Democrats again after that, after losing that race. Uh, yeah. Very, yeah. very uh, publicly supported Lawton Childs four years later, Democrats onward after that. So Claude Kirk, a colorful ca- character. Thank you, Robert. This is an important show, I think, for a lot of our listeners. And uh, hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week with another new edition of the Florida History Podcast.